You are listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I continue the Results Not Resolution series, and I sit down with Paul Brunson. He's the entrepreneur, author, and television host who says during his time working for two billionaires, the most valuable skill that he learned had less to do with business and more to do with people. Hey there, this is Patrice from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to the Redefining Wealth podcast. Super excited. Now, this is a good one. If you're on the treadmill or you're driving or you're doing something where you're really active, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is the episode you want to be sitting for and you need your hands free because you really are going to want to take notes on this one from my good buddy, Paul Brunson. But before I get into that, I have to give a big shout out to Anthony. This actually connects so well to what we're talking about. It's all about the people pillar today. And if you're new to redefining wealth here, the second pillar in our six pillars is people. And it's about creating relationships that matter. And one of the things that I say in that episode, and I really suggest you go back and get the foundation for redefining wealth. But one of the things I say, and I truly believe is that there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. But what are they watching you do, right? And so I'm excited because by the time this is launched, I will be on a plane headed down to Miami because I'm speaking at former NBA player Alonzo Mourning's annual event called Zoe's Winter Groove down in Miami. And I'm actually have the opportunity to speak with my husband, so you heard our podcast episode a couple of weeks ago. Gerald and I, we're not speaking together, but we're both um, speaking during the Youth Summit for this event. And the reason that's so special to me and why I think it relates to our topic today is because the gentleman who reached out to me to invite me, his name is Anthony, and he works with that team over there producing this amazing, amazing event. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. You guys have to check out what Alonzo Morning is doing. It's actually quite phenomenal what they do to give back down in Miami. But the gentleman who invited me, who I believe threw my name in the hat to even be considered for the event as a speaker, is someone that I met a couple years ago. And I didn't meet him in this capacity of like booking speakers or something like that. I was actually at Steve Harvey's Neighborhood Awards as a guest. I wasn't working that year. I did work in years past, either as a speaker or even just volunteering and helping with different tasks over the years. But I wasn't working. I was just there all dressed up, all dolled up. And I met a really nice gentleman in the back. And I really didn't know what he did. It didn't really matter to me. He was nice. We, you know, exchanged some pleasant words and I would wave to him. I think we took a picture and stuff. And it was cool. Like, didn't think anything of it. Really, I was just being me. And to turn around and come back, um, what is this, a year and a half, maybe two years later, and realize that he's actually the person that helps book speakers for this event. I just thought, wow, you just never know. And that's why you always have to be good to people. You should always be kind to people. One of the most irritating things for me even is to meet someone who I've admired from a distance, whether it was their book or some body of work that they have out there, and they portray themselves to be one way and then you meet them in person, especially when there's no cameras rolling and there's no cameras, you know, taking photos. There's no red carpet. There's no glitz and glam. And you get to just see people for who they are. And a lot of times, unfortunately, it's quite um, opposite of what they portray in social media. But I'm so thankful and I'm going to toot my own horn. I really am. I'm thankful that I show up the same on and offline because I just think that too many people have these personas that they've built that they just can't live up to. And I get that everyone has a bad day or has bad moments, but even when you're at your worst, you should always leave people with their dignity intact. If you claim to be a person who helps transform other people's lives or motivate them or whatever, then any interaction that I have with you, quite frankly, should be motivating. I should feel uplifted. I should feel transformed for the better. And that's what I pray people get from me. So if you ever see me in person, please say hi. (laughs) 
like come up to me or you can observe me from a distance because I've realized that that's what people do too. But we really have to be the same on and off stage or on and off camera or whatever. And it really connects to what we're talking about today. So thank you, Anthony. Um, always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. Thank you for blessing me, which in turn was a blessing for my husband. Because as you guys heard on the last podcast with him, what was it? 10 lessons from 10 years of marriage. He is trying to get out of his bubble and he has so much to offer young men. And so he's going to be there speaking to young men. And I will be, I think, speaking to the general body, but so excited about that. So thanks, Anthony. I appreciate you. And thank you to the Morning Family Foundation for having me. I look forward to really working with your youth down in Miami. So that does lead me to my boy, Paul Brunson. This man is absolutely phenomenal. He's also one of those people that I've had an opportunity to watch from a distance first. And then I met him when we spoke at the SOAR retreat, which is a Steve Harvey event. And then we went on tour actually last summer for Act Like a Success. And we did two different dates together and talk about just a gracious guy. Just so kind, so knowledgeable, such a student of people. I mean, anything you want to know about people, Paul Brunson is your guy. And what I really wanted him to talk about was some of just the people skills that we need in order to get the results that we want. I just think that it's so unfortunate that people don't realize the connection between building relationships and getting to the wealth that you desire. And Paul is going to break that down. I'm telling you, this is an episode where this is not just entertaining. This is education. You are going to want to take notes. Trust me. So I'm going to actually get out of the way so we can jump in because it is a lengthy interview, but it is so, 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 so worth it. And I'll be back at the end. Let me give him his credit, though. Here's a little about Paul Carrick Brunson. In the last six years, entrepreneur, author, and television host, Paul Carrick Brunson has become recognized internationally as one of the most successful matchmakers and small business leaders. Paul is the founder and chairman of the award-winning matchmaking firm, PCBA. His boutique company of nine matchmakers, counselors, and coaches is considered one of the leading firms in the sector. He received an NAACP Image Award nomination for his first book entitled, It's Complicated, But It Doesn't Have to Be, A Modern Day Guide to Finding and Keeping Love. Appearing as the co-host on Oprah Winfrey Network's Love Town USA, Oprah Winfrey notes Paul is much more than a matchmaker. Debuting this fall, Paul will host and produce a primetime docuseries on ABC. He currently hosts Our World by Black Enterprise, a weekly syndicated network and cable TV show where he interviews today's top newsmakers and business leaders. Earlier in the year, it was announced that Columbia Pictures secured the rights to Paul's life story to create a film about him being a pioneering matchmaker. Paul's insights and unique understanding of relationships and personal development have made him a sought-after expert on interpersonal relationships and entrepreneurship. He's been included on Good Morning America, The Today Show, Nightline, CNN, Entertainment Tonight, The Washington Post, Essence Ebony, and the list goes on. He resides in Washington, D.C. with his wife of 14 years, Jill, and their sons, Kingston and Liam. And they are such a cute family. Without further ado, here's my interview with the Paul Carrick Brunson. Paul Brunson, I am so happy to have you here on Redefining Wealth. What's up? It is awesome to be here. It's, it's really an honor. I'm proud of everything that you're doing. So this is really cool to be on your podcast. Dude, I'm proud of everything that you're doing. You're just amazing. And I want you to know, I was at Miss Universe. I was there I in the Vegas. Picture. the picture? <laughs> you saw the picture? Yes, man. You know, Belize wasn't there this year. There was no Miss Belize. So I had to go to my next best, which was Miss Jamaica and represent for my homie, Paul. Yes. And um, Davina Bennett was amazing. So in your honor, dude, I was there cheering for her like nobody's business. I tell you what, I just got back from Jamaica 
And I will tell you that I was out in the countryside, what they call the bush in the bush. And man, these little girls and boys were all talking about how Davina has inspired them and how they want to travel the world. I mean, it's just incredible what, what her strength represents to the country and to the world. I know. I know. You guys have to be so proud. I'm proud as a just Caribbean person. We're just going to all take her in. So like Jamaica is so on the map right now. She's your new uh, Usain Bolt. (laughs) She's she's a world star. We crush it in everything. Beauty, sports, you know, entertainment, everything, everything. I know. I know. So, Paul, like, I'm super excited to have you here. From the first time, I think before I even met you, I think it was at SOAR Retreat a couple years ago in Florida. Steve Harvey's SOAR Retreat. Yes. You were phenomenal there. But before that, I was just kind of like watching you on social media. And you know, you always hope that when you meet someone in person, they will actually be what they act like they are. (laughs) Oh, yeah. On social media, because, you know, that's always a toss up. You're not quite sure if people are going to be who they say they are. But you actually exceeded expectations. Wow. You are just so gracious with people. And so giving of your time and hugging everyone, taking pictures, super funny on stage, but like just so knowledgeable and just cool all around. And so as I was thinking about this whole series I wanted to do for the top of the year, it's results, not resolutions. And I was thinking about who are people in each one of my redefining wealth pillars that could really help people get results. Resolutions are cute. That's nice. For me, that means you're interested, not necessarily committed. (laughs) Like committed people actually are trying to get results. And the people pillar, when I think about building wealth, is just one of those things that I don't think people take as seriously as they should. Oh, yeah, I agree. As you know, I'm about chase purpose, not money. And it's this like, if I just do this, if I just learn that, you know, it's, it's this race to like, climb to the top, but sometimes to leave casualties everywhere, (laughs) like along the way. And you've been one of those people for me that just really embodies this whole notion of creating relationships that matter. And I wanted you to speak to the audience because beyond professional relationships, which is what people always think of, you know, because I talk about money and business stuff, they're like, oh, totally professional. No, even personal relationships cross over and, and, interweave all of this stuff. And so I thought, this guy's been a matchmaker. (laughs) My daughter's learning tips from him on where to sit during negotiation. (laughs) That is so incredible. We actually, I love the videos that you put out on Instagram. And I was sharing with Paul before we started recording that I was sharing one of his videos with my family uh, at the dinner table. And my 10-year-old daughter instantly said, oh my gosh, I'm in the worst position at the table. (laughs) She wanted to get up and move at dinner. She was like, I'm in the worst position. But like, you are just a student of people. Like you just want to study people. Like, how did you become this way? I tell you what, Patrice, I have to say that the the biggest honor that I can give is what you just told me. And that is, that your your daughter <laughs> right learned something from a video. When, whenever I, I get a message where someone says, "I looked at one of your videos or I read some of your content," and I sat down with my family, you know, your family that is your dearest, most precious asset that you have, and that you took some of some content that I created and then shared it with your family, and your family received it. Like that is uh, that's that's the biggest compliment I can get. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. For that, as far as what got me into uh, just just the study of people, it's interesting. I I really stumbled upon this. I honestly, I had no intention to be in the space that I I am now. You know, I I started as an investment banker out of college, had a bunch of different jobs, started a bunch of different businesses. Some worked uh, and some didn't work. But I think really where I, I I came into my stride is when I had the best job in the world, and that was working for a billionaire, a Turkish billionaire, and I was managing his investments in the United States. And I decided to leave and become a matchmaker, which, <laughs> which everyone like, you see how you laugh like that? That's what everybody it did. It still makes me laugh. Every time I hear it, I can't help it. 
everybody was like, this guy's crazy. Like, what is he doing? He's on something. He's on some crazy medication. Like, why would he leave this great job and be hitch? It was through that that I really, I think, fell into my own. And I started with people, as you said, you know, studying people. So I went back to school and started taking courses on social psychology and understanding the nuances of communication, whether it be verbal or nonverbal, and looking at how all of those nuances created strong romantic relationships. But then, as you said, the same, the same pillars, right? The same pillars that go into strong romantic relationships are the same things that we use for social. It's the same thing that we use for business. And I realized at that time that I was just fascinated by our interaction and why we interact and also why we don't interact. And then what also became very, very interesting to me is after I became Hitch, I got a, a show with Oprah. And here I was, I was just with this guy, Enver Ugel, super popular in the Middle East and became this billionaire, self-made billionaire. And then here I was with Oprah, self-made billionaire, one of the most powerful people in the world. And what struck me is that here were two completely different people, right? One's a woman, one's a man, you know, one's from Turkey, one's from the United States, like completely different in every way, yet they had the same skills. In particular, they had the same people skills. And it really hit me that it's our people skills and our ability to interact with people is really what differentiates those of us who have optimal lives and those of us who, who don't. And I think that's really where it's cemented for me. And so over the last 10 years, because it's almost been, been 10 years since I became quote unquote hitch, I've been fascinated by this, by the subject, fascinated by it. I love that, that the thing that you honed in on was their people skills. Because again, I mean, that was a lot of just awareness for you because most people would just look at like, what are the, what they consider to be the hardcore business skills. You know what I mean? Not necessarily the people skills. And that's why I say it's one of those things that just get overlooked quite often. And, and for me, Again, that's why it's not about chasing money. Like if we learn how to build better relationships and how to treat people or work with people or negotiate or whatever that is, how to interact with people, we can reach a lot of the success that we desire. Would you not say? I mean, absolutely. Since working with Oprah, uh, shortly after that, I uh, got a job hosting Our World for Black Enterprise. And yes, I remember that. That was, uh, I mean, so cool. Uh, By the way, we're in our third season on that, which is pretty cool. But what was really interesting to me about that is touching upon what you said in the beginning is, you know, I would meet people who I was a fan of from afar and I would meet the people and and, and not love them so much up close. Uh, But what was interesting is how they interacted with people. So that's been now about four years. I have literally interviewed people four years ago who were at the top of their game, who now are considered to be, should I say, uh, uh, you know, like terrible people. Like they've, they've dropped from stardom. You know, they have, they're living under a rock versus some people who I interviewed four years ago who now are at the top of their game, you know, continuing to soar. Folks like, and you interviewed Devon Franklin. Yes. Who are just completely crushing it. And the commonality, once again, with those people is it wasn't about intelligence. It wasn't necessarily about their network. It was really about their people skills. And so people skills is something that's considered to be so soft, but yet it's so critical to, once again, living our optimal lives. So these people skills or these soft skills, right? What's one of the main skills that we could all stand to incorporate in how we do business or how we deal with our workplace or whatever that you saw from both Oprah and your Turkish billionaire (laughs) employer? Yeah, you know what? Great question. And hands down, without even hesitation, it's we all need to be better listeners. We, we We need to understand that there's real power in effective listening. And also understand that there's a difference between hearing and listening. Hearing is simply words coming in, but listening is words coming in, then you analytically breaking down those words, interpreting those words, right? And then responding to those words, whether that response be verbal 
right? It could be a question. It could be a rebuttal. Or maybe that response is nonverbal. You just lean in a little bit more. But there is a response. So all of those elements make an effective listen. And if we would just simply effectively listen more, our lives would change. And, and I saw Oprah do that. I saw Enver Ujel do that. What's really interesting to me about both of them is here they are, extremely successful. Everyone in the room wants to be with them. But when they're talking to you, or better yet, when you're talking to them, they make you feel as if you are truly the center of their attention. And that's, you know, that's incredible to, to talk to Oprah at a, you know, I remember I was at, a, at, at this dinner and there's probably, you know, 70 people at this dinner. Oprah was hosting it. And my grandfather had just passed away. She came over to me and we're having this conversation. And I felt as if she had zero care in the world except for me. And that is real power to do something like that. It's, you know, so effective listening is, is really what we all should emulate. And so how does that cross over from the business world to your personal life? Because I think that's one of the things, and you're a happily married guy and, you know, you have a beautiful family, which you're always sharing on Instagram and stuff. And so how does that cross over to how we interact with our spouses or our significant others? Like, did you find that was one of the challenges people had even in dating or in their romantic lives that they weren't listening? Oh, yeah. And, and I think actually, Patrice, this was in a video I watched of you. Uh, I believe you said something along the lines of, you know, being present is not listening, right? Mm-hmm. Along those lines. And, and, and that's something that I completely agree and, and, and something that I had to work on. This whole notion of just because you're sitting in the room with your child, it doesn't mean that you're truly present. I think presence comes in listening. And so ultimately what listening does is listening allows you to do two things. One is it allows you to fully capture the moment so you can then give better input or insight, etc. But the second thing that it does, and this is very, very important, is that it acknowledges the other person. That acknowledgement is everything. You know, going back to Oprah, one of the things that I found to be fascinating is that Oprah's interviewed everyone in the world, everyone, right? She said that the commonality among everyone, whether it was a prince, a queen, you know, whether it was, you know, just someone off the street, the commonality is that at the end of every single interview, everyone turned to her and asked, did I do okay? You know, was I, was that, was I all right? And essentially what they're, what they're looking for is, is acknowledgement. That's what we want. We want to be acknowledged for whatever it is that we're doing or saying. And if you are with your loved one, you definitely want that acknowledgement. And so being an effective listener gives them that feeling of acknowledgement because you're fully there with them. And so it applies to romantic relationships, to social relationships, and definitely to business relationships. So Paul, you were talking about during, since you've been at Our World, interviewing all these people, and then four years later, looking at the fact that some of them have just kind of disappeared from the scene. They were hot, they were popping, they were doing their thing enough to be invited on that show and then they disappear. So we've kind of heard about one of the strongest people skills, but what are one of the the things that people are doing besides not listening that are kind of taking them off their game? You know, you said you have the education, you have the knowledge, you might have the talent, but you're also really doing something wrong. What is like a big thing that is a red flag we should look out for? There's so many, but <laughs> I can give you 10 hours worth of red flags right now. But what comes right to mind is asking too early. I mean, this is, I, I you know about this, you know, Man, come on, Paul, give it to us. This, this is about to be good. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, before someone has even built a rapport with you before they've even said, hello, they're asking you for something. Uh, and this happens so much on social media because I think that we perceive that we know the person, right? Because we, you know, we, we're, we're, we're looking at their photos of maybe their family, their business, et cetera. And then we immediately ask, you know, here's a book that I've written. Can you write the foreword to it? And I'm sure you, you get this all the time. Here's a campaign that I have. Can you not, not just donate to it? Here's a Kickstarter, right? I need you to invest in it. <laughs> right. 
you know, e- even quite qu- requests like, can I have 15 minutes of your time? That's still an ask. And time is the most precious asset that we have, you know? So people who make the ask way too early end up burning bridges. So when it comes to building a strong relationship with someone, you want to build a rapport with them. And to build a rapport, you need to give, 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 give. And then you make the ask after you have given value to them, real value. In my opinion, value is anytime someone has a goal and you help them get closer to their goal, that's adding value. Right. So you want to walk into a relationship just adding value to a person, right? Adding value and continuing to do that over time. And so what I've seen so many people do is, you know, especially a lot of these artists, they're they're hot. You know, they come in out the gate, they have whatever, a a hot movie, a, a hot book, whatever it may be. And they start making crazy requests of everybody. And so um, that is definitely, definitely a top red flag is, is asking too early. That is the story of my life with like people. It's, I think I've shared this from the stage before, maybe at one of the Act Like a Success events that we've done together. People coming in saying, can I get Steve Harvey's cell phone number? Like, wait a minute. You know, it's, it's like you didn't say who does your hair. Where'd you get your shoes? Like just some basic, I just met you. And two days later, you're asking me for one of my most valuable connections and a relationship that I've actually been building for the last 17 years. Right. You think that you're supposed to have in 17 seconds. Like what is going on? Where, where does this come from, Paul? Is, is it just because this is not stuff we, we learn like growing up? Yeah, it's a combination of, of of many things. It's everything from, unfortunately, bad parenting. We're also living in a really interesting day and age with social media, where with social media, you know, so in with success, we're all taught, fake it till you make it. But with social media, what's happened is, is people have just straight faked it and not even, they've forgotten about the second part, the until you make it. <laughs> So everything is is a fraud, like the photos that people are taking, the cars that they're driving, the homes that they're like, people are renting homes, (laughs) professional photographers, like it's just crazy. And so therefore we're living in this instant gratification to the point where it's not even instant. Now it's the expectation that, that I need, that like I need it yesterday. You know, I I deserve it yesterday. And so if you know Steve Harvey, you know, you need to give me that contact. And so we're living in very interesting times. But here's the upside to that. The upside to that are those of us out here who are really grinding. Those of us out here who are being vulnerable and saying, no, you know, this is not the best car in the world, but here's my, you know, used minivan, you know, but I'm, but I'm I'm driving every day. Like those of us who are out here, you know, being vulnerable and adding value and building a real relationship with you, Patrice, like, where do you get your hair done? Like, you're doing all those things that you should be doing. Those folks are winning and they're not necessarily winning immediately, but over time they're winning. And, And more, and when I say winning, is that, that, you know, ultimately, I believe we all want three things. I think we all want to have autonomy, we all want impact, and we all want money. Now, some of us want more money <laughs> than, than others. Some of us want more impact than others. But ultimately, we all kind of want those three things, autonomy, money, and impact. And so when I say winning is that those of us doing it right are getting those things, the autonomy the impact and the money. Those of us who are not are maybe getting one of those three things or two of those three things or a limited amount of those things early, but they're not getting that full suite. And so do it right. You it's know. not sustaining it. Right. It's, it's not sustainable to carry on that way because eventually word gets out. And it's like you said, you interview some people, they're hot today and then they're gone tomorrow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's incredible. Like, it's like, I'm talking about Literally, people who who were so sought after that we had to beg to get them on the show because they were so sought after, who now like like literally can't book an interview. It's just amazing. Within four years, we have to understand that it is it's about longevity and more than longevity. 
it's not even about us. You know, it's 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 not, (laughs) it's not about us. You know, you think about your legacy, you think about your kids, you think about a new kind of barometer I use to do projects is if this is going to positively impact my kids, kids, right. And my kids are only four and seven, so they don't have any kids that I know about yet. But if this is a project or something that is going to positively impact them, right, where I may not even be here for them, that's the type of of move that I like to make. And so it's really about, we have to understand that our actions have consequences uh, that stretch way beyond us. Yeah. That's the big part of legacy. Again, where we make it about money and leaving an inheritance and thinking about possessions is great. But also, you know, I think about the same thing when I'm long gone. Will my daughter be excited to share? You know, my granddaughter be able to say, well, this was my grandma's book or this is the work that my grandma did. And because of that, when she says my grandma was, will people be like, what? That was your grandmother? I love her. And I really do. And those are really conversations that I have with my daughter about how I choose things and even who I choose to engage with and who I don't, because I don't ever want you to Google a picture of me (laughs) and it come up with some character. Like, I'm just so particular about that. But I have this really strong sense of self-awareness that I just try to be aware of, like to your point about asking too early, you know, before I even make an ask of many people, even those who have come on the the podcast so far, it's definitely people so far that I've built relationships with in one form or another. And have I, you know, said yes when they've asked things of me? Have I been supportive of their projects? Have I shared things? Do I interact with them regularly in social media? You know, Like, and even people who I've been looking at, Paul, from a distance for a while, you know, I know that they may be great for redefining wealth at some point, but I want to continue to add value before I even go there and make sure that they know that I'm a person that adds value and that I want us to really be doing something that's going to be a blessing to people. What I've observed about you, Patrice, and, and this is from afar and then having met you, what I've observed about you is that you have high standards and high expectations. And I love that. I adore that. And the reason why is because I firmly believe that those of us who have high standards and high expectations always have a higher quality of life because you don't allow any old anything into your life, right? You think about uh, you know a, a high standard or high expectation, it's like a fence. Some of us have like a little one foot, you could jump over our fence, right? And get into our home easily. Some of us have like the five foot fence, right? But others of us have like this immaculate, like when I was in Jamaica this last week, I drove by the prime minister's home. Mm -hmm. He has like a 20 foot mahogany wood fence. Like it's beautiful, like around his home, right? My Mm -hmm. point is that we all should have that 20 foot mahogany fence around around us because it requires someone to have a high level of standard to be able to get in right and and it means that we have this higher qual- we li- we we just live a higher quality of life and so i think that uh i think that one that's something that i that i really respect about you but but two i think that's something that we should all emulate as well and this is something that i see the oprahs and the enver ugels and these folks have is that they don't accept anything. They accept extraordinary, extraordinary. I love that because I've been in around entertainment, you know, and entertainers for a while since the first time I uh, start working for Steve, even before then, actually, because my mom has always worked in the hospitality industry. And as a kid, her hotel was the set for 90210. So like... <laughs> I was like sitting there on set. They used to let me sit there with Shannon Doherty and um, and Luke Perry. I'm talking, I was in sixth grade, you know? And so I've always, um, you know, seen a lot of folks in, entertain- in entertainment who have these big brands and all this, but behind closed doors, they had such low standards for who they would let even be on their support team. Mm. You know what I mean? I didn't know it was that. 
But even as a teenager and then as a college student, watching not just the entertainer or the star or the athlete or whoever, but watching the entourage and thinking to myself, why are they with you? (laughs) I don't even think that they deserve to be in your midst, like in your mix. I don't, do you trust them with things? And to your point, Paul, in the space pillar, for redefining wealth, I talk about, yeah, I talk about decluttering and organization and time is money and, and all that stuff. But I also talk about protecting the peace in your space and that you can't let any old body come into that space and disrupt like what your calling is or what you're supposed to be doing because they will come in and be a complete distraction and disrupt everything. And I guess I do have really high standards. I I didn't even put it together that way, to be honest with you. But I know that I say I'm very committed to protecting my peace. And the few times that I've let my kind of open the gate, (laughs) open the fence prematurely, I've learned great lessons, great lessons in, in being betrayed or having people try to take advantage of something. And it was that reminder that, mm mm keep your 20 foot mahogany gate where it is. (laughs) And, you know, if you require this much of yourself, it should definitely be required from those around you. Yes. And, And I would say that's, that's another red flag, or that's another thing that many people do in terms of not being able to create great people skills. They don't have the 20 foot mahogany fence. So they let anybody into their circle and, you know, it becomes toxic. And so ultimately If you want to be able to create phenomenal relationships with other people, you have to first be able to create a phenomenal relationship with yourself. And having a 20-foot mahogany fence is what does it. That's good, Paul. Ooh, that's good. So one of the things that we really believe here is, this is why I teach my audience, is that there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. Mm -hmm. But what are they watching you do? And I wanted to know from you any great opportunities that you may have gotten just from someone who was watching you from a distance and you didn't even know they were looking, but you were showing up with your fence, (laughs) with your mahogany gate, but doing good work. And it just kind of all clicked and came together. Any any examples of that in your life? So so many, so many. I mean, I'll, I'll give you two really quick, two of my favorites. So we talked about Black Enterprise, Our World. Our World is a, is a very special show for me because I grew up watching this show. Ed Gordon was the host and I would watch this show. I mean, I was like a straight geek, super, super nerd, right? When nerds weren't cool, you know, I read Forbes, but favorite magazine was Black Enterprise. So when Black Enterprise had the show Our World that was mainly focused on uh, these Black entrepreneurs, I, I just loved it. And then after Ed Gordon hosted for a number of years, Mark Lamont Hill, who I, you know, I loved. So, uh, so I just, so I just loved it, right? I love, 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 love the show. Now I interviewed Alfred Edmund Jr., who was with Black Enterprise, is a senior editor over there. I actually interviewed him and his then girlfriend, who's now his wife, Zara Green. Zara. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Zara. Everybody loves Zara. So I interviewed them on Mentor Monday. And you were, oh my gosh, also Patrice, this is crazy. Do you know that almost two years to this date, you were on Mentor Monday with me? I know, I know. And that was a phenomenal interview. Your community was just outstanding. (laughs) Yeah, two years to this day, like it's crazy. Uh, But- To this day, exactly? Yeah, yeah, it's this week. I I looked it up and- Oh, wow. Like five days off. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, so I interviewed them and I was just, you know, once again, I was just, inter- you know, I, I love to, I love Mentor Monday, love the community, wanted to give back. Uh, so interviewed them. And what I didn't realize is that they loved that interview so much that within a week or two weeks at Black Enterprise, they were beginning to talk about rebooting our world. And as a result of that interview, my name popped up as a possible host. And then they reached out to me. And I can't tell you, I remember I was uh, in Florida on vacation. And when they reached out to say, would you be interested in hosting Our World? 
to me, it was like they said, you're playing in the Super Bowl or (laughs) it was was the biggest thing ever because I grew up watching the show. And to think I was I didn't audition for it. I didn't even know it was it was a possibility, but I was just showing up and I was showing up and was blessed for showing up. So that moment uh, and then a a similar moment was was how I got my first show with Oprah, because I actually did two shows with the Oprah Winfrey Network. But the first show was I launched a web series way back in the day called The Modern Day Matchmaker. And, mm-hmm. uh, and nobody really watched the show. I always joke that I would literally get like 10 views and my mother was watching at least nine times. So <laughs> nobody was watching this, this, this web series, but I would still show up. We still gave it our all. I had a production, you know, little production crew I put together, but we would get that content out and we did our best with it. And as a result, it got on the radar screen of someone at own. And they reached out to me. And long story short, I got a deal with with Own. And that was, once again, just showing up, just showing up. So I completely agree with what you said. And it's so important that we don't just show up, but we show up at 100. You know, we show up giving our best, giving it our all. There's no, you know, I always say there's don't half ass, whole ass, <laughs> right? So, you know, you, 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 you give it your all. You give it your all. I love those examples and I have so many examples of my own, right? That's why I love having you here so you can really speak to this, that it's not just me because it's not that I'm special or you're special. It just is. Like if you just show up whole ass, right, and do it. The thing is, especially with people who are entrepreneurial minded, you know, it's this, I want to try a million different things, but I'm only going to do it once or twice. I'm going to hop ass it. And if I don't get a hundred million views, that ain't it. Scrap it. Go to the next thing. Go to the next thing. As opposed to being committed, right? Again, we're not interested, like committed to at least doing your 12 episodes, do a season's worth or doing it for the year or doing whatever, just so you can learn whatever you're going to learn in the process. Because what I've learned in my own life, Paul, is it's not about having a hundred million views. It's about having the right views. Absolutely. Someone seeing you for who you are and what you bring to the table. I almost didn't launch or publish my first book because I had a well-meaning mentor, love him to death, but a well-meaning mentor at the time who said, if you don't have 50,000 Twitter followers, you should not be putting out a book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And to this day, I have books on shelves in Vietnam because I went forward anyway and just kept showing up and giving value to my audience. And four books later, books on shelves in different parts of the world. And I still only have like 12, 13,000 Twitter followers. But I had some of the right Twitter followers, which ended up being one of my publishers. Yeah. Exactly. I, I love that. And I and the example that I like to give is I adore Oprah so much. So I, I always say, would you rather have a hundred thousand Twitter followers or a hundred thousand, whatever, people on Instagram, whatever, would you rather have that or would you just simply have Oprah follow you? Boom. <laughs> and, and and there's no question, like it makes it it makes it like, okay, I'd rather have like and then you think, okay, well, why? Right. And then you and then it goes into this whole the quality over quantity, you know. And so I completely agree. We're caught up in the numbers. We're caught up in the vanity. We're caught up in popularity versus real influence. Uh, But but once again, I think those of us who understand the power of influence over popularity. Right. And real over vanity. Those are the folks who, who win. Yeah. Yeah, those are the ones who'll be left standing. Because, you know, I come from a real estate background. So my whole kind of becoming the money maven started when that that real estate bubble burst. And some of us who were just there for the money got weeded out. Like there are people who were able to hold on and keep going. And then there's other of us, others of us who have gone on to do other things. And I kind of feel the same way about the transformation space, this information space where everyone is a coach and an author and a speaker, like this whole cookie cutter thing. I'm like, I can't wait for this bubble to burst. And for people who are not really genuine about this work to just go somewhere, just go somewhere. (laughs) 
<laughs> go to your what the Lord has called you to do. You should not be here anymore. But Paul, you know I could talk to you all day because you're just amazing. I'm so appreciative of you and just so inspired continuously by everything that you do, how you show up. I want to make sure that you tell us, I have some kind of, I call it the rapid wisdom questions. So I'm going to ask you some quick questions and you can tell me whatever, you know, comes to mind. But before I do that, I want to make sure you have an opportunity to just share like what's going on with you now. You have done a million things and I see you doing a lot of, it looks like giving back in, in Jamaica. So tell me what's your, what's your thing now? What's the big thing for you in 2018? Yeah, I'm Jamaican to the core, so I have like eight jobs uh, <laughs> that, that I keep. But you're absolutely right. I just, matter of fact, it's it's going to be announced soon. But I can I can tell you, uh, just signed a, a major deal with the Jamaican government, as well as yeah, as, as well as my mentor Enver Ugel, one of those billionaires, and we're providing hundreds of scholarships to Jamaican students. We'll be hiring 200 Jamaican teachers each year. We are rebuilding and building new schools throughout Jamaica. It's a massive deal. It's about a $10 million project that we're doing in Jamaica, and, uh, and it kicks off in 2018. You know, so I'm, I'm super happy. Oh, congratulations. I, li- I literally got chills, like hair on my arms standing up, just Thank hearing you. you talk about that. Thank you. It's, it's important. You know, in the Caribbean, what's happening all throughout the Caribbean, you know this, Patrice, is that there's um, we go out there to play. You know, we go out there to the beach and to, to the resorts. But what we don't realize is that a lot of those people who live in these, those countries, they don't own the resorts or the land, uh, you know. And so all of these countries are becoming third world yeah. and getting richer. But there's no middle class and the poor are getting poorer. And it's very important if you love the Caribbean or your second, third generation Caribbean, that should give back because uh, they're they're in dire need, especially with the hurricanes that came through this past year. And so I'll be spending the next several years working on projects throughout the Caribbean. So that's a major thing that I'm doing in uh, in 2018. That's phenomenal, Paul. That's just phenomenal. I'm so proud of you. I feel like I've known you for like 15 years or something. Like, look at him. I feel because I've seen you do so many different things, but it always just comes back to you having such a heart for people. You just have such a heart for people. And I think it it really just shines through, whether it's the whole reason you got into matchmaking. I, you know, I've heard you kind of tell that story before or it just doesn't seem like the path of an investment banker. (laughs) I'm so glad that you got off path and into your purpose because so many people get to benefit from it. Like I can't wait to support you and and continue to look at whatever you're doing and contribute to where I can, whatever it is, but you you're phenomenal and I appreciate you. Okay. I'm going to ask you some quick questions before I let you go. Uh, How do you define success? Uh, su- success is, uh, is, is reaching goal, whatever that goal is, but, but reaching it. Being committed to it, right? Not, not interested, committed. Yeah, exactly. Okay. This is where I, I give you a word limit. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Wealth in three words or less. Options, legacy, and impact. Mm, that's good. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? The Intelligent Investor by Graham. Well, how many books do you read a year? Over 100 now. Uh-huh. I read, yeah, I read three on average. Sometimes I slip a little bit, but on average, about three a week. You tell me sometimes I slip a little bit. <laughs> I try to do two to three a month, like, and that's still a lot compared to the average person, but man, you are like book goals. Okay. Fill in the blank. My name is your name. And for me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Paul Carrick Brunson. And the truth about wealth is it will set you free. Oh, I like that. Thank you so much for being here, for spending this time um, and for helping us get results in just the area of people and, and some things to do and not to do. This is great wisdom that I'm sure the audience will really be able to glean from for years to come. So thank you. 
My pleasure. It is an honor. I love everything that you do and stand for and will always support you. Thanks, Paul. There you have it. There you have it. I told you to get your pen and paper. Paul was dropping gems, nuggets, bombs on us. What an amazing guy. Oh, man. So many takeaways from this episode. Like, I literally can listen to this over and over and over again. I mean, just the concept of hot today, gone tomorrow, or just really being considerate of the the actions that you take, right? Because our actions have consequences that extend way beyond us. We have to do things that are going to leave a positive impact for our kids' kids, like so many nuggets. These show notes are so rich. So I encourage you to go over to the Redefining Wealth podcast. It's actually not a the, redefiningwealthpodcast.com and go check out the show notes. I also have links for you there to The Intelligent Investor, Definitely a book I'm adding to my list. I actually haven't read that one. And links to some of the stuff that Paul has going on. I'll add a link to the Lonzo Morning event because I just think it's one of those good, feel-good events you should just know about. Just super cool. And while you're over there at redefiningwealthpodcast.com, I have a question for you. You can comment on this episode And I want to know, how are you committed to giving and adding value to others this year? Like, remember Paul said, we have to give, 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 and then ask. And too often, we ruin relationships by trying to ask too soon. So how are you committed to giving and to adding value to someone else? I really want to hear about it. If you love this episode, I want to know what you thought about it. So comment please leave a review. It really does help. It really does matter. Do not think that, oh, other people are doing it. No, I need you. Yeah, you, the one listening right now to the sound of my voice. I need you to stop and leave a review. It'll take you two minutes, but it will mean the world to me. Believe me, okay? Um, And let's see. So subscribe, leave a review. Oh, and coming up next week, we have more in the Results Not Resolutions series. Next week is HGTV's own Egypt Sherrod. My girl, talk about back-to-back-to-back phenomenal interviews. Ooh, Egypt's about to bring it. So you want to make sure you subscribe so you get that notification and you can be the first to tune in, okay? Until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. Bye.